Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev. And I am Professor D. And our, our usual third person with us, the, the Crockpot, he is uh, he is not, not able to be with us tonight, so we'll just soldier on, Mick. And we are doing this series as we open up uh, the year 2023 with just three weeks with three people in the Bible. And I, I don't even have a better title than that. And so we're to, I'm going to be looking at a person tonight. Professor D will lead us next week with a Bible character and then the crockpot in the week following. And so it's, it's an interesting season, a series to start the year. And with that, let me open us up in prayer, and we will then journey forth. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word contains stories in it that have real people in them, that have that are just presented to us with, with flaws and who are not perfect, and they're not cookie cutters. And God, you are uh, you you invite us to, 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 to live by your word and to do your word. And we're so grateful, Lord, that your word... It, it challenges our hearts and it directs our minds. And, and we're so grateful, Lord, that we get to journey uh, with you and, and have you lead us as we journey and we, we get to live this life to glorify you. I just pray tonight that our discussion would, would, would be pleasing to you and that we would do honor to the, the, the Bible story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, those of you who have known me in the past, we just welcome all of our listeners out there. These three weeks, are, we usually teach... We this class exists in an in-person format, and also, and you guys who are listening know this from the podcast. This is a podcast-only adventure right now, so you are the only ones, listener, who are going to receive this. And so tonight we are going to study um, uh, one of my favorite characters, and she is, she is someone that I, I relate with. I relate to. She's just a wonderful character, especially in the Old Testament. She's from what used to be my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Ruth. And if you read the book of Ruth, we're tempted to say, oh, this is all about Ruth. And, and actually, our heart is, we, we love the love story in Ruth. It's, 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 it's sweet. It's a good story. We like watching God at work. But Naomi, she's the one that drives the story. And it's her journey that's powerful. And so Naomi's going to be my character tonight. We're going to go through. And so Book of Ruth has four chapters, so I've just got four points tonight as we journey through this and viewing the Book of Ruth through the, through the lens of Naomi. And, and so, yeah, we have chapter one. It's in Ruth chapter one in verses 19 to 21, it says this. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Wow. Well, what happened with Naomi? Here she is traveling back. Well, Naomi had to leave her homeland to find food. So she was traveling um, with her husband and her two adult sons. And the great irony is, is Bethlehem means, you know, house of bread. And there was a famine. There was no bread. So they had to leave the house of bread to go find food. And they went to the land of Moab and they found some food. 
And on the way, the, the two adult sons found foreign wives. And so, but on the way, husband died and her two adult sons died. So Naomi now was, was then left with three mouths to feed. And that's you know a hard position to be in, especially as a, a widow in her world. So she did the only move she knew how to do was she released her daughters-in-law because they themselves were fellow widows, go back to their dad's house, and they're not under any obligation to her, and she, she just orders them home. Well, one of those two widows said, okay, and the other one clung to her, and her name is Ruth. And so the whole the book of Ruth kind of details the story of, of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. So Naomi then comes back home, those are our verses today, and I, I, I don't know about you, Mick, but uh, I, I journey with people who have had a hard life, and they... The majority of the people that I counsel are people who journey with depression. And some of those people are angry at God. And some people even blame God like Naomi does for her situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that. And in your story, Mick, if you've ever just been angry at God for how life has turned out. Does this story resonate with you at all? Unfortunately, it, her, Naomi's personality seems to be like if you switch the names around in the gender, you can almost put my name in there, you know, um, honestly, there, there's just so much of that, that, that resonates. And we we've talked about this on the side. I think this is one of the things why, you know, you and me, we're kind of like Bible geeks. And when we talk about these stories, we have a lot of common guys and gals that we focus on. And this is one that we've talked about many a time in the past. And I mean, I, I really, you know, I like looking at Naomi's story because Naomi's story, if, if you look at her and you look at her thing, we, we're not talking about inexactitudes, but in, in general principles, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, when you look at the start of, of, of this, this story here with Naomi, I mean, we went straight to verses 19 and, and through 21. But the truth of the matter is, you know, the, you know verses 1 and, and, and 2 says that, you know, Naomi and, and her husband and her sons, they, they went out to Moab, they married in Moab. Why? Because there was a famine in the land. So right there, that tells you, uh, oh, and another thing I should backtrack. One of the things is we believe the book of Ruth, which basically details Naomi's story, was written during the time of Judges. And if you guys remember, one of the key things in, in Judges is the people did what was right in their own eyes. So we're thinking that that famine might have been a judgment from God, very likely a judgment from God, you know, and these people fled, you know. Things were going bad. They fled. They went to Moab. So you're saying, okay, well, you know, I get that. I would do the same thing for my family. The thing is, they went to Moab. Moab, the perennial pains in the, uh, we can't, we got to watch the language here, right? For, for, we got to keep it PG. So the, the, the perennial pains in the butt of, of Israel, you know, I mean, we're talking about these guys were pains pretty much as soon as they set foot out of Egypt. They were already problematic people. These are the guys who in numbers 22 to 25, send the, the, the prophet Balaam or the false prophet Balaam, I should say, to trip them up, you know? I mean, these guys were a constant problem. They were a problem then. They were a problem by the time Ezra was on the scene. I mean, these guys were pretty much a problem throughout the whole Old Testament. Right. You know, so you, so you see that they run away from this, then they run into that. They're mixing with kind of the wrong people that they shouldn't be mixing with. And then what, what Mara says there, you know, God dealt bitterly with me. You know, and, and that kind of resonates because, you know, honestly, we make a lot of bad mistakes. We make a lot of bad moves. And then what do we do? What do I do? Let me, let me, let me personalize this. What do I do? I start blaming God. 
you know, God, I did this for, you know, for whatever noble reason. And I did that for whatever noble reason. God, if my wife was here, she would be, and I could say, can I have a witness right there? She'd have both hands, amen. Like in a Pentecostal style kind of thing. That's the thing, you know, when I mean, you talk about Naomi's woes, famine, forced the, the, the becoming a widow, losing her sons. Oh my God. I, I think there's no worse evil than losing your kids, mm. you know, and, and she's, she goes through it all, but it's also, she, there's a part where she has a role in that, you know, they, they place themselves in these situations and at the end she's blaming God and then she's bitter about it and she blames God about it, you know? And, I, and, and, and the sad truth is when I look at Naomi, I'm like, holy stink, that's me. She comes back into town. She's got her daughter-in-law with her, Ruth. Mm -hmm. And the whole town's astir. That's kind of like, uh, well, what do they say in that old musical, the music man, the pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, uh, the women are just yapping. All. So the, 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 the women around town are yapping that she's home. The local gossip, yeah. gossip mill is buzzing. And she's home. Hey, it's Naomi. And so right away, Naomi does something that you mentioned, Mick, you mentioned uh, her, her, her other name. She gave herself Mara. She changed her story. She changed her yeah. name. Uh, Naomi means lovely. Mara means bitter. So yeah. she's right away, right away saying I'm bitter against God. And she owns it, which we yeah. got to give her credit. She at least owns yeah. her attitude. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there with, with attitudes that never own their attitudes. Well, she's owning it. She's owning her theology. She's owning everything. And her theology is essentially God did this to me. So God is God, but he's not that good to me because here, here I've got this. And yeah, so the, she's telling a story about her life to other people. And this story is, is focusing on her pain. It's focusing on her. Yeah. And, but yeah, she, her identity, she, she's basically saying my whole life is centered around my loss. My whole mm -hmm. life is centered around my struggle. And my whole identity is just the fact that I have been hurt by God. And we know from a biblical perspective that there's more to your life than just what you go through, but she doesn't see it yet. And so one of the great things about the book of Ruth is that we are hoping for her. We are on team Naomi. Yeah. We are trying to see can even a broken gal like her have hope? Is there yeah. even hope for her? And, uh, and she has this, she sounds like she has a story or a self-talk and that story has her trapped and that story is blame. She literally blames God. I mean, not just like, this is not one of those where you're blaming God in your heart. And okay, you can probably, you know, talk to somebody and figure out what's going on. No, she just comes right out me. Yeah. And she's like, I left full, but God brought me back empty. Like, look what God yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, look, I'm like Ruth right now. I'm clutching on to Naomi. I want to see where this story goes. Woo. I'm just as interested in Naomi's story as I am in Ruth's story. It's just kind of a really cool parallel track just even in storytelling, you know? I mean, it comes down to, it's the, the two basic lines, the two really good pieces of self-talk you can tell yourself is, you know, God is God and God is good. That very, mm -hmm. like a Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Okay, yeah. God is God. I mean, even like all things work together for the good. Okay, this the God is God, his sovereignty, no matter how it plans out, is he's God, he's got this. Yeah. But that God is also good, that as God exercises this sovereignty as, as divine providence happens in my life to the, the, the events of life, it, it might be painful, but it's going to ultimately work out in my good. She's not there yet, Mick. She no. is totally on team God's sovereignty. In fact, God's so sovereign. He's also a jerk because yeah. God's now done this. She's not questioning God's sovereignty. 
I mean, she would be probably a full-on Calvinist. She's not questioning God's sovereignty at all, but God's not good in her in perspective because God has now done something wrong to her. And God has uh, done something that, well, so that's how chapter one ends, kind of, a, kind of like a sad end. You can tell by her story, if she was one of my counselees, I would hear depression almost right away. And the depression tied to her grief and her loss and her blaming God. And clearly she's bitter. I mean, we're, we're, let's take it to your territory since I'm looking at your Star Wars mug. This isn't the, the ending of New Hope. This is the ending of The Empire Strikes Back. We're going right straight there. There it is. So, I mean, so chapter one doesn't have the best ending, but here she's back in town and she's got, you know, she's not by herself. She's not, she's not alone. She's, she's, she has another mouth to feed. And, but, you know, she's got someone named Ruth. And, and in chapter one, we had a great story where Ruth has this great profession of faith where you go, I will go. And, and Ruth is just a really great character. The, the book calls her a woman of Hyle, which is a noble character. And she's well matched with this guy named Boaz. She's going to find the, the, the scripture calls him a man of Hyle. But, but, but we're talking about Naomi tonight. And Naomi is to come, coming home to her hometown the subject of local gossip. Now she's changed her name. Now she's mad at God. And oh my goodness, what's going to happen? So uh, evidently the, this, this, this good girl, Ruth is going to go out and she's going to go, she's going to go and try to get some food and try mm -hmm. to try to feed her family and try to feed her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law is a widow with no sons. I mean, she's basically yeah. that, that's, that would be the definition of welfare in her land and she's got no one to help. So we're in chapter two now. So that was Naomi's pain. And uh, th this, this chapter two, I kind of titled Naomi's Realization. And all right, so and this is chapter two, verse 17. And this is speaking of Ruth. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what, what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had, had left over from being satisfied. And, you know, we don't know this here, but... She had met up with, with, with someone at their field and he fed her dinner and, and she, had, she ate too much and got to bring home the leftovers and she's bringing that home here. Her mother-in-law saw all this and her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name uh, with whom I work today is, is Boaz? And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, that man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young men, lest in another field you may be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Wow. Well, when we last left Naomi Mick, she was a bitter mess. Mm -hmm. She blamed God for her problems. She maintained the story that before all the people of her hometown who were all astir, Naomi had left with three men and now had returned home with only one woman. So Ruth hatched a plan to glean in the fields. Her hard work would stand out in this story. It impressed Boaz and his crew, and it also provided for Naomi. So when Naomi saw Ruth come home with an abundance of grain, she wondered what had happened. How had Ruth come home with so much? She wasn't expecting near any of this. Maybe have a couple mouthfuls or something, 
but this is like uh, the, the grain that, that the farmers had to leave on the edge of their fields, they couldn't harvest it all just so the poor people could come along and harvest it so they can get a mouthful to eat. People living from hand to mouth, kind of paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. And so Ruth shares a story about Boaz. The cool thing, Mick, is that Naomi's perspective immediately changes. She went from, so the last time God's name was on her mouth, it is God brought me back empty or Yahweh brought me back empty. Now God's name is on her mouth again. The Lord bless him. She went from blaming God for her problems to now declaring the praises of the very God who shows kindness. That's quite a transformation, Professor D. It really is. And I'm glad that it doesn't take long in the narrative to get there, you know? Um, you know, all of a sudden, Naomi starts changing her attitude about God. And, 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 and again, this, this is that that turning point, at least as far as Naomi is concerned. And, and this is like a big deal. And we have to understand this for what it is. Naomi is practically a dead woman walking in many regards, especially in the times and the culture that she was living in. You know, when the loss of her husband was, was bad enough and then the loss of the two sons, mm. You know, it's one thing if she would have lost a daughter. It's another thing to have lost a son in that society. And she lost both of them. And on top of it, so to speak, she's got dead weight on her. So she had to worry. It's like, oh, man, she was probably coming back thinking, man, now I got to fend for myself somehow. How am I going to do it? Oh, great. Now I got this, this tag longer, you know? And, 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 and she's seeing exactly the opposite. It's like, there is an abundance here, mm-hmm. you know? And hence the questioning of Ruth when, when when Ruth came, like, whoa, you made out well. Tell me, girlfriend, what's going on here? When I, I journey with people with depression, one of the first questions I ask them is what stories are they telling themselves? Because depression comes down to those very stories and maintaining that story in your life. Naomi's story was very angry. It was accusing. It was bitter. And now her story has changed. Mm-hmm. Now, now we see her having some gratefulness and, and dare we say hope. Yeah. And the cool thing about Naomi here, one of the reasons why she's she's a really great character, because even in her pain, she was able to see her situation through the eyes of faith. Mm-hmm. Because in her eyes, the impossible had happened. Ruth just happened to wander to the field of the one man in Naomi's family who could have been a blessing. And that one man ended up like, not like any of the other men who might have taken advantage of yeah. an impressive young widow. And uh, we give Naomi credit. I mean, she's. Well, let alone a foreign one at that. Yeah. So, I mean, R- R- Ruth is a foreigner. Ruth, you know, a, a young, young woman. She's impressive. She probably was very, you know, if, if she wasn't good looking, she's the guys in the field noticed that she was a hard worker and that, that meant something to them. They they mentioned it to Boaz and, and yeah, uh, it's, my goodness, since she is obviously Ruth trusted God, but we see Naomi's faith here and we got to give her credit. Yeah. She sees God's at work immediately in her situation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who are bitter and and they think God now owes them something or they're angry at God. And so they're not going to they'll never step step foot in the church again or don't talk about Jesus with me. I don't want to hear it because God did this to me. Mm-hmm. And they never leave that. And Naomi at least seems to have her eyes open because she sees life begin to change. And she goes, Oh my goodness. And so she might not have been looking to see God at work, but we give her credit. She at least recognizes what, when God does what only he could do. So for Naomi's sake, God was not her enemy anymore. God actually was kind both to her 
and even to her legacy of her dead sons and her husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it seems to me like a very Job-like kind of moment as well. You know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, you know, and I, and you have to give Naomi credit for that because again, she's, she recognizes God's hand earlier. In this case, it was the taking away, but she sees him right now in the giving. There's a lot of people who, when God is doing this in their lives, they blind themselves to it. Mm. So there's a lot here to admire in Naomi. Yeah, she she at least had her eyes open, it seems yeah. like, because she 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 sees she's able to recognize God at work. Yeah. That, that that's where we start giving her credit. That's that's where her faith starts kicking in. Even in the midst yeah. of the darkness of her bitterness, even in the anger and despair and all these things, the, the finger pointing at God, her eyes are at least open. And, she, and so when she sees things begin to happen, she she takes a pause and goes, Oh my goodness that yeah. wow that's that's obviously god yeah and uh I, i've got a story where uh well it, i guess in your pain uh, look for god's hand at work i've got this story i, I was a long time ago i, I was i was a, a a youth pastor not making a lot of money kind of like an intern i didn't have any health insurance and i i was recently diagnosed with ms and so i had to get an mri to check up on the progression and it was uh, the first MRI I had to I had to do by myself, or I was off my parents' insurance plan, and so it that was going to be a thousand dollars, thousands of dollars that I just didn't have, and so I was on a tight budget, and so I, and the, the hospital I remember getting done with the MRI and going down to the the, the business office of the hospital, and they said, so sir, how are we going to pay for this? And I said, well, I don't know, I I I I don't even have a I don't even have a pay stub, I don't know what to say here. And so they, they were trying to figure out a payment plan. And, and even with the payment plan, I wasn't going to be able to do it. It was going to take well over a year to pay off. The next thing I knew, as I'm leaving the place, the hospital just said, you know what, Mr. Bradshaw, we're going to do this. And they made a decision to simply write off the expense and to send me on my way. And I mean, I was trusting God with my situation, but I do wonder, um, I do wonder, had I left that hospital with a bill in my hand, an astronomical build to my, to my poor self, how, how I would have felt about God, but I was left with wonder. I mean, would I have grown bitter like Naomi? I don't know. Um, it, I mean, I, I certainly didn't cause my body to get MS, just like Naomi didn't cause her, her, her family to die. But all I know is that I left the hospital that day grateful and singing God's praises. And because I left going, I don't have to pay for this MRI. They're just going to write it off. The hospital just literally just ate the MRI. And I left going, oh, my goodness, I'm going to build up four groceries this week. And the, 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 the following year, I, mean, I couldn't believe it. I remember that to this day. Well, Naomi realized that God was at work and her perspective began to change. And so in your story, listener, you're telling yourself stories and your story may be painful. It may be bitter. You may be, the, the, you may be a mess like Naomi is. But in Naomi's story, she had a realization and that, that began to change things. So maybe you can have a realization like her. Maybe you can start to see how God provides for you and how God begins to take care of your needs, even if you're not even happy with God. Because Naomi wasn't happy with God, and she still saw God at work. And so we're rooting for Naomi's faith. So yeah. Mick, what do we think as, as chapter two comes to an end? Well, I, I think two big things that, that you brought up is, you know, one of the big things is you have to be real about what's going on. I mean, Naomi's being real all the way through. And even as in the middle of pain, you have to always be 
just kind of on the lookout for God, you know, and then there's, there's, that's really kind of where, where a lot of this is at, you know, you have to be open to see when God is doing something and not allow for your bitterness to, to paint everything. You know, she had the bad circumstances, her bitterness was viewing it in, in such a light, but when the good things came, she was willing to see God. Amen. We get to chapter three, and this I'm calling this, uh, we have Naomi's pain, Naomi's realization. This is Naomi's plan. So verse one of chapter three, then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that I may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you, you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, anoint yourself, put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Well, when I first begin to journey with people, Mick, uh, they're sometimes so lost in their situations. Maybe they're buried beneath their shame. Maybe they're dealing with guilt. The weight of depression is heavy. Maybe anxiety robs them of sleep. And I always like to end our first counseling session together with some biblical clarity and some hope. What is God's words, the Bible? What does it say about their situation? How does the Bible uniquely address how God's going to work in their life or will work in their life? And then once hope is established, we get to work. Well, that's Naomi's story. Hope has now been established. And so she gets to work the only way she can, which is to give her daughter some orders and say, all right, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. And we're going to watch God work this out. In chapter one, she was buried beneath her situation. In chapter two, she had a moment of clarity and hope. She saw divine providence at work. And so now in chapter three, Naomi herself, she's got some work to do. And, and she trusts in God. Her plan, I think, was a bit risque. The threshing floor of the day had a reputation, uh, especially late at night. You can imagine um, awkward situations happening. Uh, kind of guys who had now at harvest time, they were well-fed. They were most likely uh, deep into their cups. You can imagine just a, a, kind of a vulnerable, risque situation there. So this wasn't the easiest plan for Ruth to do, but nobody's really questioning anyone's intentions here. Naomi had Ruth's future in mind, and Ruth was respectful and obedient. And in depression, we, we need to change the stories we tell ourselves. And so with Naomi here, she changed the way she saw things from, from God acted bad to now God acted good. And the second step now is to get the focus off herself. So that's what, that's what she needs to do. So depression, it just marinates in the self. It weighs upon you and depends upon all this harmful self-talk to maintain it. So Naomi here does the best possible thing. She shifts her focus from herself now onto Ruth. So she made a plan to care for her daughter who was depending upon her. Kind of cool. Naomi shifted her story to see God at work in her life. That's a great yeah. thing, Mick. Where yeah. God is against me, to now God's actually providing for me. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of cool things to unpack here. You know, I was just reading a, um, I was going through my Proverbs notes because I've been working on Proverbs starting this year as a, as a kind of a New Year sort of thing, and uh, I was I'm trying to remember. I'm not going to remember it verbatim. I actually just wrote it down before this class, but it's like the sluggard you know says something to the effect oh no there's a lion out there you know and that's the verse and it basically the idea is that basically a lazy person is not is going to use any excuse 
to not do anything and is going to overemphasize security and safety. The truth is in life, in, in a faith walk, and, and, and this goes through even in people who are going through pain, you have to take risks. You do. It, it, that's part of faith is you, you do have to take risks. And one of the beautiful things here is that you see Naomi, what is she doing? She isn't like you brought it up. She is not wallowing in self-pity. And instead, what is she doing? The best way to deal with your own pain sometimes is to pour into somebody else's life. Mm. Help somebody else's life. Because when you're working in someone else's life, what happens is when you're moving, when there's movement, right. bitterness has less likelihood to, to grow when you're when you're not focusing on your dire circumstances and you're looking out for the well-being of someone else. And I know that to be true in my life as well. When I'm helping out somebody else, I don't, I just don't have time to think about, you know, how this isn't working out, how that isn't working out or why I'm, I'm here and why I'm not there when I'm busy. That really does help. Now, granted, it's not a cure all, but it is a part of the solution. Right. Yeah. When when we're depressed, or even when we're full of anxiety, if you're traveling the path of self, the self is never going to be an answer to your story. No. It's never going to get you into any hope at all. There's no hope in your depression if your hope is in you. There's yeah. no hope in your anxiety if your hope is in you. Naomi, she gets off herself. She yeah. goes, to, she starts serving. That was the best thing she could do in her depression yeah. and bitterness is to serve. As she goes, she focuses on what God has done. And now she focuses on serving other people. In her case, her daughter-in-law. Yeah. And just the best to say this. So, so, so listener, what kind of stories are you maintaining? Are, are you looking for God's hand at work in your life? And are you willing to change your story from God being bad to, to God being faithful and good? And as a means of, of your faith. And so we go from Naomi's pain to Naomi's realization, Naomi's plan. And well, as Naomi's story concludes in the book of Ruth, Naomi's redemption. Chapter, chapter four now, starting in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you who is worth more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wow. You just have to love the book of Ruth. Such a sweet story of God's faithfulness. The greatest king of Israel, David, would have such amazing people in his lineage. He would have a man who was a family redeemer and that he restored Naomi's losses and provided for, for and raised the heir of her dead son. David would have a foreign woman who left her comfort zones to cling to her mother-in-law and to her mother-in-law's God. And David would have in a great, great grandmother, a woman who learned to trust God in the darkest season of her life and who then become an example to others. How do we know that, Mick? Because earlier in the book, the women of the town got to witness Naomi's bitterness at God. And mm -hmm. now they celebrated with her over God's faithfulness. I don't know why the narrator brought in the women of the town again, but here they are again, and they're now celebrating and they're, they're, they're having this new 
idea of, oh, Naomi's not this bitter wretch anymore. Naomi's now, God's been faithful to her. Now her joy. So this tells us something, Mick, that not only did Naomi get a new story, we got this in chapter two where she had this realization, but Naomi, even though she sent Ruth to go work and to go take care of things and she had a plan, on her own, Naomi was maintaining this new story. Mm-hmm. She evidently was continuing to proclaim God's goodness to all the women around her. So you can imagine, imagine Naomi being the talk of the town for nine months of Boaz and Ruth's pregnancy. I'm sure that the gossip mill never stopped talking about that situation. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we're the readers and we're, we know by the mentioning of David, we know where the author is going with this, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the really cool things about the story. This is that that happily ever after that you're looking for. So it's, it's as much a happily ever after for Naomi. And there I say it even more so for Naomi than, than for Ruth. Right. You know, and uh, it's just really good to see because the truth is we don't really get a whole lot of insights into Ruth's feelings, but we're getting the insights on Naomi's feelings. You know, you, you get, you could argue Ruth has just as much reason to be bitter. And yet, you know, we don't really get that insight on Ruth, but we do get it with Naomi. And I always thought that was one of the cool things of the, of the way this was told. And like you said, it starts with the uh, the women of the town and it's ending with the women of the town. And it's kind of a really great, uh, if you, anybody ever questions kind of like the literary value of, of reading the Bible books, a lot of it is you have to understand what's going on and then you can appreciate, wow, this is brilliant stuff. This is a good you value. Know? Yeah. I mean, this is just really, this book in combined with the other books is really the greatest book of all time that's why it's called the book that's what bible means the book it's the book i mean this is just another brilliant example of many in that of how great a bible is even on a literary level let alone on the fact that it's true and and it's real even when it's told sometimes in poetic fashions and it doesn't get more real than Naomi. No, this, no. This bitter wretch of a broken mess of a woman who life has just kicked her butt. And and to her estimation, God has kicked her butt. Yeah. And, and God has made her life just horrible. And and you don't have to be depressed to look for God's hand to work in your life. But to trust in him, to now serve others, to, 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 yeah. sing, to, to kind of, God changes your story. And to change your story from this bitterness to, to, to seeing God's you know hand at work. Okay, now I'm going to maintain that story. There's a new story I can tell myself and tell other people. And you know I'm thankful, Mick, you're a good friend. And good friends, uh, when we have good friends in our life, they reinforce the new story that we have. Hey, yeah. you're right. God is indeed faithful. Look at you. Look, look at what God has done. Isn't that yeah. great? That's what these women, they're not just these town gossips. They're actually good friends. And that they're reinforcing that God has been faithful to Naomi. And look at this, Naomi, you have a son. Now, wait a minute. I thought, I thought this is Ruth and Boaz's son. What are you talking about here? Yeah. But you know, for the, the balance of the story, it's like God has now replaced the things that Naomi accused him of taking and yeah. God has shown himself faithful. Now, Naomi. Hey, this is better than God. seven sons. This yeah. is better than seven sons. Right. So you good know? friends reinforce the new story in us. Yeah. Look how he's provided for you. The women of the town are evidence here that Naomi in her depression has indeed maintained her new hope. And so Naomi was redeemed from her bitter story. She yeah. had hope that was centered in God. It was illustrated by her son-in-law and baby yeah. grandson. And then much later, Isaiah would utter these words. This is from Isaiah 43. But now says the Lord, 
He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, those words were given to Naomi's distant relatives in Babylonian exile. God uses our stories for his glory. He created us. He called us. He claims us. He leads us through difficult and messy seasons with a greater purpose in mind. I love that God said he formed us. Yeah. That word also has a pottery or metalworking theme. Such things are first shaped and then are hardened in the fire. God was forming Naomi through her mental and emotional struggles. He led her through a season of pain. He worked in her story in a manner that even depressed Naomi could see him at work. Yep. He accomplished a plan unlike anything Naomi or her friends could ever imagine. Wow. Yeah. It's so great. Look, you get kicked down. And here's the, this is where Naomi, this is where we need to learn from Naomi's story. Naomi was kicked down. She was down on the ground. But here's the difference. There's people who get kicked down and are down on the ground. And when someone comes to help them, they don't see it as the help. And they stay down on the ground. But Naomi didn't do that. No, we saw that she didn't. When she saw a turnaround, she knew what a turnaround was. She saw that helping hand and she took hold of it. And that's what we need to do as Christians. Anytime we're knocked down, we cannot stay there lingering in, in that. We have to take hold of that hand. God will show us that hand at some point. You know, and are we going to be like Naomi, who has our eyes open and is willing to see it and then grab onto it? Right. And then work with it. Once God gave her that hand, she didn't stay down. She got up and started helping someone else. Right. I mean, it's, it, it is such a great story on so many levels, and I'm sure I'm missing a lot. Well, make, I mean, so many people's stories are, they, they're, they're like Naomi in chapter one, but they stay chapter one. Yeah. They never, they never get past it, and they just stay yeah. locked in this bitter story they've told themselves, and that just blames God for everything, and just nurtures this hatred, and just, and life is just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The next thing you know, they're on medication, and they're checking into a hospital. It's like life just keeps getting worse and worse. They never get past chapter one. To Naomi's credit, she had just enough faith that when yeah. she saw something impossible happen, she gave God credit. And then God transformed her broken story into something beautiful. And yeah. had, she, had she stayed in chapter one, had she just, just completely focused on herself and her story, she never would have found this joy. Can she we say there was repentance there, Joel? I mean, she goes from blaming God to basically praising God. Mm -hmm. I, I call that the, 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 the hallmarks of repentance, the turnaround. It's one of the things that's kind of behind the scenes. We don't, we don't see it happen. But if, if I was ever going to get a part two to the book of Ruth, I would actually want a backstory. I'd want to know what was going on in Ruth's, in, in Naomi's mind, all those hours while Ruth is in the field all day. Mm -hmm. I, I would want to know, because for, for the sake of my the depression I've journeyed with, and the people I want to you know, help, it's like, I would want to know, the, the, is she maintaining it? What is she doing with this story? How is she seeing God at work? We're, all, we're only given things that were given. But yeah. all, all I can see is had Naomi continued to focus only on herself and only on her broken story, she never would have found this. Yeah. And, but instead, she was willing to change her story to reflect her faith, yes. to reflect that God is faithful, that yeah. not only is God God, but he's also good. Yes. And she couldn't see it yet. But 
she stayed on the horse. Yeah. Just long enough that she could see it. And then once she saw it, she then turned into a parrot and began parroting that. And that became her story. Now God is faithful. Yeah. It went from God did this to me to now God is providing for me. Yeah. And, and that that's amazing. That story changed right there. That's the first path out of depression is changing your story. And then when you start to slip back, dip into your quiver and fire that arrow, that new story, and just telling yourself, no, 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 God is faithful. God is caring for us. God is not only God, but he's good. He's got this. So now my daughter-in-law, now we can work. Now we know what, what God's going to do. It's There's so much hope to our stories when, when we see God at work and then we, that becomes our champion. Yeah. And what, what a great time. Professor D, thank you for your, your commentary tonight. What, what, what a great story. We continue fun. next week. We continue next week with the role of switch. Professor D will be leading us through uh, one of his favorite Bible characters, and I'll, I'll be along for the ride. As always, this has been Masterclass Theology from the year 2023. This is Big Rev. And this is Professor D, missing Crockpot. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll get Crockpot back with us next week. Yes. Have a good evening, and God bless. God bless everyone. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.